0: Listener-supported WNYC Studios. When I first started doing radio many years ago, um, my friends and family, when they would first hear me on the radio, they would be so excited and they would come to me and they said, Oh my God, I heard you. You sounded so professional. And then they would say, and I actually didn't even realize it was you until the very end, and you said your name. And they would think that they were giving me a compliment. And meanwhile, I was like crying silently inside of myself because that's not what I wanted. That's Chrissy Clark,
1: host of The Uncertain Hour, a documentary podcast about the origins of today's economy. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, and this is Work It! It's a compilation of some of the best moments from WNYC's Festival for Women in Podcasting. Keep listening as Chrissy and Nancy Fergali, Uncertain Hour's senior editor, share tips on voicing.
2: Good morning. How are you going? Hi. Hi. I'm Nancy Fergali from the Uncertain Hour and Marketplace. And... I'm Chrissy Clark, also from The Uncertain Hour at Marketplace. I love the cat calling. I can't tell who's doing <laughs> Thank it. Thank you for Raise the cat, cat calls, guys. <laughs> Uh, We first want to thank Rachel and Denise for inviting us. We're really thrilled to be here. Our our presentation is on voicing and the art of voicing, and uh, we feel really fortunate to be able to give this presentation, partly because of the years of experience that Chrissy and I have had uh, in public radio. We have pretty much have had every single job. I've been an editor, a reporter, a senior producer, um, a podcast producer, and Chrissy.
0: And Nancy's good at all of those things. <laughs> um, and I've been a reporter, a host of this podcast, also a producer, an editor. And my very first job in audio things was uh, I was the assistant to a woman who marketed a New Age, uh, New Age music public radio show. <laughs> so, so you can start from very obscure directions.
2: Yeah, and so we've been in the trenches. Um... So we are going to, uh, for this presentation, play a bunch of audio clips and talk Uh, you through about how we think about voicing and hopefully along the way give you some tips uh, and some tools that we've learned. Uh, We also want to say, very exciting, we just came from the studio and our second season is about to drop. Uh, Episode zero just dropped. So if you have an opportunity to, uh, please subscribe to the Uncertain Hour. That's the shameless plug. So (laughs) let's get started. Uh, The first thing you want to ask yourself when you're voicing is how do you sound? Did that work?
0: Um, And so we're going to play a clip, uh, and just to give you a little background, so The Uncertain Hour is a podcast about... um, public policy, actually. It's a deep dive into um, some of those buzzwords that you hear that you maybe sort of know what they mean, but not exactly. And we try to tell kind of the interesting and surprising origin stories around things like welfare and uh, this season uh, federal regulations. Um, And so to give you context for the clip you're about to hear, Part of what we were looking at in this episode was where welfare dollars actually get spent, and it's not places you would necessarily think of. Um, one of the places that dollars were going is are these things called women's care centres, and we'd been told that their mission is to steer people away from getting abortions. Um, women who were in sort of crisis mode, um, who were pregnant, would come to these places. Um, but this was not something that these uh, that these centers would publicly acknowledge. So we wanted to kind of get to the bottom of what they actually did. So play the clip. Really, our our work is very simple.
1: We provide unconditional, sustained, concrete, and substantial support to women facing unexpected pregnancies so that they can become great moms and have healthy babies.
0: Women can receive help from Jenny's center through their pregnancy and up to 12 months after they give birth. The typical client, Jenny says, is poor. Almost all qualify
1: for federal programs like Medicaid. Nearly 80% are single moms. 25% don't have a high school diploma. 40% are fully unemployed. So our clients have hard lives.
0: I asked her if a woman like Brandy, the grad student, feels like she just can't afford to have a child and says she wants an abortion, would you refer them to an abortion clinic?
1: What I would say is we would be here if, if any woman said, said that. Whatever, whatever a woman says, we would say to her, we are here for you. Before your decision, during your decision, and after your decision, regardless of what your decision is.
0: But am I correct that you would not refer them?
1: What I would say is that, that, that what we say to women is, is, we are here for you before, during, and after. And, and the decision is yours.
0: I, I just want to make sure I'm clear. But but would you ever refer them to a clinic? No. no. Correct. But, or am I wrong? Am I I wrong, know. wrong
1: what that? I would say is we would, we would be here for you. And what I would
0: say to a woman is I would be here for you before, during, and after the decision is yours. So you're not going to give me the information, but you will tell me that you will be here for me.
1: We will be here for you. We will be here for you always.
0: We are... We are here to serve you. And though Jenny wouldn't say it explicitly, it's written into the contract with the state of Indiana that in order to receive TANF money, federal welfare money, centers like hers are forbidden from referring people to abortion clinics. Those are the conditions of their government funding.
2: So one of the reasons why I I love that tape, uh, first of all, Chrissy is an amazing correspondent and reporter, but... There are different versions of her in that tape, and she sounds exactly the same. There is the narration that she did in the studio, then there's the narration that she did in the field. And as an editor, my job is to make sure that when people are listening to us, they are also along on the journey, and part of that is her voicing. So when you hear the tape, you hear her in the the studio setting up what we're about to ask, And then you actually, that is real tape. There is no editing in that tape. We didn't edit for any pauses. That is Chrissy continuing to ask the same question over and over and over again. And she sounds exactly the same because that's how she voices. When she voices, that's who she is. And the reason that's the case is because we've spent a lot of time over the years doing some simple things that I think Regardless of whether you are doing a Q&A podcast or a deep dive podcast or simply a two-minute news story, these are tips that I think anyone can use. So, And
0: just a little anecdote connected to this. So when I first started doing radio many years ago, um, my friends and family, when they would first hear me on the radio, they would be so excited and they would come to me and they said, oh, my God, I heard you you sounded so professional. And then they would say, and I actually didn't even realize it was you until the very end and you said your name. And they would think that they were giving me a compliment. And meanwhile, I was like crying silently (laughs) inside of myself because that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to sound like somebody's idea of a radio reporter or a radio announcer. I wanted to sound like me. And somehow I had all these voices in my head early on of what... I was supposed to sound like, and how I should sound mature or authoritative, and that was making me not sound like myself. So something that I've done over the years is actually listen to my, the, my field tape when I'm out just doing an interview, when I'm not scripted, when I... And you guys probably have this moment where you're listening back to yourself in a moment like that, and you're like cringing and just thinking, oh, I wish I had said that differently. I'm so rambly. Or maybe this is just me, (laughs) but I always listen to myself. I'm like, oh. But you, in those moments, are hearing what you really sound like and who you really are. And I feel like that has been a good barometer for me to listen to those moments. And I'm sort of constantly trying to get away from the professional person that... um, there's little voices in my head that say that I should sound like and back to who I really am. And those are those unguarded moments.
2: And one of the things I've learned over the years is we've all had those situations where we go in and we do a story in in the studio and we do narration and then maybe there's a part in the story where it's actually us in the field saying something and you sound completely different because somehow you've walked in the studio and you've decided I need to sound... I need to sound more professional. I think we've come a long way, and I say this as a female. I think there's a wide diversity of female voices now on public radio, and I'm so excited about that. And part of that is, a lot of those voices are just saying, I'm going to sound like me. I'm going to sound the way that I normally sound. So the first tip, of course, is to play that field tape back. And I had this moment when I was a kid, and I'll never forget it, I took in the recorder to hear myself sing the song uh, Toy Soldiers. And uh, I, I remember thinking I was going to be a singer, and I played the song back, and it was so horrible, uh, and I realized I was never going to talk again, and I ended up in radio anyway. So that being said, uh, listen to your tape. When you go out in the field, listen to the way you actually ask questions. That's going to be more like the way you should sound when you're actually narrating a story. Um,
0: another, another tip um, to kind of explore the toolbox of of ways you can talk and ways you can get to to be yourself or sort of the best version of yourself um it connects to uh, another story i was telling nancy the other day so early in my career i was uh on my way to meet a friend um at to at a restaurant and i was driving there by myself and i was listening to the radio and um when I got there, my friend said, oh, I actually saw you, like we were driving in the car, but you were in the street next to me, and I was gonna wave, but you were so animated, you must have been talking on the phone with somebody because you were just like in this very animated conversation. And I wasn't talking to anybody, I was just listening to the radio, and I was imitating voices <laughs> that I heard on the radio <laughs> because I, I've always been curious, like when you hear somebody whose voice feels really authentic and who, feel, who you feel like you know when you're listening to them. You know, it's, it's like the, the combination of authenticity and the craft of getting to the authentic. And so for me, this is another like, sort of dirty secret tip. I encourage finding the voices that you love who you feel somehow connected to. And, and in the privacy of your car or your, uh, or your home, Imitate them and see what. Just experiment with the things that they do, the kinds of tools that they use. Whether it's talking fast sometimes or talking slow, or in a high register or a low register. But just there are tools in our toolbox that I think that when we're talking in a normal conversation, we just have at our fingertips. But when we get into a studio or we're looking at a script, we no longer we forget them. So I think it's like kind of a muscle memory thing. So um, talk to yourself is another tip.
2: So one of the tips that we um, really focus on is is this idea of how do you write. Obviously writing is a really important sort of foundation to voicing. And in my job, I usually bring in a lot of new reporters or I work with a lot of freelancers. And one of the things I like to do in my job at Marketplace is I like to walk around around, uh, the newsroom. And one of the things I get really annoyed at is if I see a young new reporter, and he or she is writing a script, and they are completely silent. And they're not actually talking while they're writing. Uh, because I think part of radio is, as you're, as you're writing a script, you actually have to hear yourself say the words that you're writing. Um, so we wanted to give you... Um, a couple of examples of radio scripting that you can just find online, and I think these two examples actually illustrate this point. Um, One of the people I work with uh, at Marketplaces is is Kai Rizdal, who's the host of the show, and one of the things that he does every day is if you go to his office between 12.30 and 1.30, he is doing what Chrissy has just said, which is he's talking to himself but he's actually talking to himself as he's writing leads. So I have a pretty good idea before I get that lead, what the lead is actually gonna say, um, because he's talking himself through it. So he's catching himself stumble over words that he would write. Uh, He's checking to sort of see, is this the right tone? Uh, He's checking his pacing. Uh, and Chrissy has also one of those stories. Yeah,
0: I sit next to uh, my colleague Adrienne Hill, who's a wonderful radio reporter at Marketplace. And she, um, I, I always know the story that she's working on because she will, and she'll experiment. Like she'll read a line, or sh- as she's writing it, she'll write a line, she'll say it, and then she'll like scribble it, re scribble it again, and mm-hmm. start over. And so this is sort of like the music of the newsroom. And I think that it, is a good way of testing. I knew somebody who called it a mouth edit. It's like mm-hmm. you're testing the words in your mouth to see, do, these, do they work? Do they fit my mouth?
2: And in terms of scripting, so this is a script that I pulled out by just going to Google and writing NPR sample script. So this was a story that someone was doing on, on Walmart. Um, and if you look at the script right now, uh, it, there's tracking there 's a little bit of ambi, but there are a couple things we wanted to point out uh, that i don 't actually think and Chrissy agrees this script is is a terrible script in terms of learning how to voice because we 're going to show you a different type of script <laughs> no
0: offense to the person no who wrote person, it but just in terms of the way it's,
2: way it's written
0: the, the way it's written um, do you want to yeah. go to the next yeah. one? so this is this is something that I um, Oh, this is it. Yeah. Um, so I try to treat my scripts like, like a musician would treat a musical score. So often I always have a pen when I'm in the studio and I will kind of annotate it as I go. Um, I also think about the words that I'm going to emphasize. You'll see capital, capital letters up there. So I want to make sure that I am putting in bold those words. Because you, when you're performing or when you're voicing, you have so much going through your head. Even if you think you're going to remember what is the important idea in that, it's a very simple thing, but it's so useful to have that stuff either bolded or put in caps. Um, I also do a lot of ellipses. I, I write in a very ungrammatical way because I'm thinking more about what are the pauses, what are the, um, what are the new thoughts... Um, I also try to do one sentence per line. I mean, also, it's just basic things like the size of the font. Um, and so we're going to play a little clip from this script um, when I was actually in the studio voicing.
2: Okay. Brandy, Brandy
0: says she, she knew she, she, wanted she wanted an abortion, and she, and she thought an she knew where she could get one.
2: Okay. Is that... Brandy says
0: she knew she wanted an abortion, and she thought she knew where she could get one. So, I don't know if you guys noticed that difference. It was a very subtle difference, but the first time I said it, I kind of breezed through the most important word in that sentence, which was abortion. And this was actually the first time I was was introducing the fact that that's what this story was about. And so... I took it over to try to slow down, kind of, I'm introducing that word. Brandy knew she wanted an abortion. Um, that's something that, if I had written the script right, I should have put that, those words in capital or in bold, too. Um, so it's also catching yourself in the studio, and it, I think Gina Delvac might have been sitting mm-hmm. in on that, <laughs> on that, on that uh, voicing. It's having somebody else in the room also Um, who, if you can, who can catch it and say, like, wait, you just said that, like, abortion was, you know, eating cereal. Mm -hmm. Like, take a moment to let that moment sink in.
2: So in terms of the difference between this type of script and the script that we showed in the previous slide, so when you look at this script, you see uh, phrases that are capitalized. You see the ellipses in terms of the pausing. You see see single sentences. Um, This is all to help your eye catch your mouth. So that when you're looking at a script, it's not a print piece. And a lot of times when new reporters come in, they will write a script like it's a print piece. So you'll have blocks of track and a block of an axe and a block of a track and a block of an axe. And just imagine how your mind is thinking about processing that information. If everything looks the same on a page, it's going to all sound the same when it comes out. So you're not going to be able to pause or give the listener uh, the chance to think, oh, this is really important. Your script has to be a signal to the listener of what to pay attention to. So the easiest things to do is really to make your script pay attention to what you want it to pay attention to. So make things bold. put things on a single line, really look at the font size. Sometimes people come into a studio and their font size is Times Roman 11 because they want everything to fit on a single page. And like, are you squinting as you're tracking? If you're squinting as you're tracking, you've basically lost the battle. So not to say that everything should be Times New Roman 40, which is what my computer is now because my eyesight is going, but (laughs) it's really important to, she knows, (laughs) it's, it's really important to make sure that the script that you have actually matches how you want to tell the story. So um, interact with your tape. This is one of my uh, favorite things that I have learned over the years. Um, We all have examples of things that we've heard where there's a piece of tape uh, from a source or there's a piece of ambi that just Knocks you off the top. Just think, oh my God, this is the greatest piece of tape I've ever heard. I want to figure out a way how to use this in my podcast or in my story, and I want to play an example of someone at Marketplace who's really, really good at interacting with tape, even if the tape is only ten seconds long, and even if the story is only a minute and a half. So, um, this his name is Sabri, and he was assigned a story must have been a year ago about. Uh, Samsung, I think, trying to figure out a way to have you interact with appliances. Refrigerator, open. I want to get a Coke. I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Sabri. What are you talking about? You're
0: going to have to watch this ad first. It's for
2: these Gap sweaters. I don't need sweaters. That's not what the thermostat told me. The sweaters are only 19.99. I want a Coke. On sale now. Oh my God. So the reason why I play this piece of tape is when Sabri was tracking that, he actually had the tape in the studio, and the engineer played it. And so when he was uh, narrating, he was actually interacting with the tape as he was narrating the story. Because we've all had those experiences, and I think some of you wrote about, um, sometimes people, when you do a laugh in a script, they think it sounds fake or uh, when you have uh, someone uh, saying, wow, that's a really wonderful piece of tape, or I can't believe he or she said that, it doesn't sound real because you're not actually responding to the tape that just played. So it's a really easy thing to do is that if you have a piece of tape in your script that's really important and you actually want to draw attention to it, play the tape as you're actually narrating in the studio. Play the tape, so when you, the tape ends and you start your track, you're actually responding to the tape. You're not responding to what's on your page.
0: And if technical constraints mm-hmm. prevent you from doing that, because sometimes that can be a little bit complicated mm-hmm. in a studio, what I always also do is um, print out... I transcribe the full clip that I'm going to be playing, that I'm going to be responding to. Sometimes I think that um, for time and for efficiency, we'll just put like the in cue and the out cue, but if you want to be responding authentically to that moment on tape that you're playing, you you want to remember what it was, and when you're in the midst of voicing, you often aren't, you don't have that stuff at the top of your mind, so I will always write out everything that was said, and I'll actually... I'll read my my lines and then when there's the gap of where the clip will come in, I'll actually kind of whisper to myself, I'll read through every word in the clip that I'm about to play off of. Um, it gets you back in that moment. It gets you in that headspace. Sometimes they will, wh- whoever your, whatever tape it is, will, will be playing, they'll be saying a word that then you're going to say again. And it's always different if you're saying a word for the first time in a while versus if somebody said it right before you. So it's just these little nuanced things, but it makes such a difference. It makes you sound like you're actually there in the moment listening to what's going on as opposed to just reading something unrelated to the tape that was just played.
2: So uh, write like you talk. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, but this idea, um, one of the things (laughs) And we've all had these moments in radio where you hear a story and you say, "What, what what did he or she just say? What was that word? One of the things that happens initially when people come into radio is they tend to try to use words that I think are not conversational but are impressive. So I always tell people, the thing about radio is very few people, unless we change the technology, which we might, have an opportunity to rewind your story as it's playing. We've all had opportunities to read print pieces where we don't get something, and so you can just go back to the (laughs) paragraph Uh, Before that, to read it again, then go to the next paragraph to get the context. In radio or in a podcast, you have to assume that the person who is listening is only going to be listening for that one time. So the key is to write like you talk, because you're going to be much more conversational. My first radio instructor always told me this quote, and it was a Mark Twain quote. Uh, He said, I know what the dollar words are, but I choose not to use them. And the idea is everyone knows that you're smart. Everyone knows... As a storyteller, you know what you're talking about. So the key is to make it as conversational as possible and break down those words. When Christy and I, we work on an economic show, uh, which... Economics can be really boring, it can be very complicated, but our mission is to make sure that what's complicated becomes conversational, and 90% of that, when you're editing a piece on Marketplace, or, you're, or, you're, or when you're editing the insert an hour, is to make sure you're using words that are easy to say, and you make, you're make sure you're using words that you normally would say in your everyday life. Um, and... <laughs>
0: I guess the one asterisk of write, yeah. like, write like you talk <laughs> yeah. is I sometimes can be a real rambler. <laughs> so so when I ri- if I write exactly like I talk, people probably wouldn't want to listen to a podcast of that. <laughs> and that's when a great editor comes in. But I do sometimes, you know, I will write it like I would say it, like mm-hmm. I would explain it to my friend at a bar, except I haven't been to a bar in a while because I have a one-year-old, but like I, would, like, I would, like, I would, like I would say it to somebody over the dinner table. But then that's when either a great editor or if you are flying solo, you have to put on your editor cap and say, okay, this is the rambling version of what I would say. Now, what's, what's, the, what's the best version of this that would still come out of my mouth when I was feeling really eloquent and, <laughs> and articulate?
2: Sometimes when people stumble over scripts, I will tell them, don't look at the page, don't look at the script, look at me and tell me what you're trying to say.
0: Um, And some other other tips also, just short sentences. This is probably something that you guys have heard before, Mm -hmm. but it is so key. I feel like most of the time when I start stumbling over something in the studio, it's because I look at... I look down at the page and it's a sentence that takes two or three lines to, um, to actually f- complete. And I think it's so important to just take a moment and say, how do I break that into three distinct sentences as opposed to one really long one? Um, uh, also, just other little things, write out numbers, write out, like if you're giving an email address, write D-O-T-C-O-M. Just that, those little things that otherwise your brain has to do the, has to work through the mental energy of in the moment, and then that distracts you from actually giving a good delivery. Um, Write out the word dollar rather than putting a dollar sign in. Just things that allow the, the ease of reading as you're going.
2: So basically everything we just said is a lie because of this next slide, and throw away the page. Uh, this is actually what happened to me when Chrissy, a few years ago, was an editor on a story that I worked on.
0: So this was, um, I, I used to work for a show called Weekend America, which is now deceased, but um, <laughs> uh, this was a, a, an approach that we took a lot back then, and I've, I've known other folks at different shops who've also done this, um, but Write out what you want, Write painstakingly polish and edit the script, and then go into the studio, and I think Nancy wanted to kill me when I made her do this, but I said, okay, now put down the script and don't look at it and just tell me what you wrote and tell me what you said.
2: It was very sad.
0: <laughs> um, but it does, I think, especially if it's feeling stilted or you're, you've been working and working on something and it still feels too formal, it doesn't feel like it's your voice, sometimes the best thing you can do is just turn over the page, read the paragraph that you're about to say, put down the piece of paper, don't look at it, and just say what it is you need to say. And suddenly the words come and you are talking like you really talk.
2: And to that end, one of the things, even if you don't have the opportunity to track with someone, this thing that people do where they say three, two, one, and then they start their script... Stop doing that. The best thing to do is try to imagine having a friend in the studio saying the friend's name. I sometimes will say, pretend I'm calling my friend Hillary. Hey, Hillary, you won't believe what just happened. Take a pause and then start telling the story. That puts you already in the storytelling uh, vibe. You're already in that sort of language and tone. A lot of times when you go into studios and people are tracking, they're doing the 3-2-1. Unless you have a friend named 3-2-1, you've already sort of given yourself to this idea of how you think you should sound and not naturally how you sound. Um, And to that idea of... If, if at all possible,
0: I think bringing someone into the studio with you, even if it's not somebody who is technically working on mm-hmm. whatever you're working on, mm-hmm. is so useful but sometimes you don't have the time to do that or you're, you're, or, or the luxury to do that. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about thinking about somebody in the studio mm-hmm. and really like closing your eyes for a moment and talking to that person, mm-hmm. I think can help simulate some of that same energy. Um, Some other things, some people wrote in some questions about energy and feeling like how, how do you maintain the kind of energy that you want on a podcast? I often find that um, I think I'm being energetic when I'm voicing, but then you listen back to the tape and you're like, man, I sound really sleepy right now. I think there is a bit of that, like you have to do 150% 150% of what you think, like because people aren't seeing your facial expressions, they're not, they're not getting the whole package. It's just the voice. You have to channel some of that extra energy into your voice. Um, so that's one thing. Also, just um, the time of day that you're that you're reading and you're or, or you're in the studio. Um, for me, it's mid morning is a really good time. Like if it's first thing in the morning, I'm gonna sound half asleep. But if it gets too late in the day, you also, your voice starts to wane. Mm-hmm. Um, and vocal exercises, too. I was in high school chorus, and we would do like la-la-la-la-las, and, and the ma, ma 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 like just exercising your the muscles you're going to be using. You are kind of an athlete, mm-hmm. and you're performing um, like an athlete performs. So just... Whatever, whatever it takes, move your mouth mm-hmm. in different ways um, to get those juices mm-hmm.
2: flowing. Recently, I had someone turn in a piece and uh, it was a three and a half minute piece and the person was talking a mile a minute. And so I, I called the reporter and the editor and I said, did she track with someone? She didn't track with someone. Uh, I said, okay, we need her to go back in and, and do the piece over and just take a breath because she talked so fast, the only thing you could understand at the end was her name. Uh, And then she did it again, and it still wasn't, she didn't sound like herself. So one of the things I asked is, I said, can she just go in the studio without the script and just tell me what the story is? I don't, and she can just say, so-and-so said this, just go through and tell me what the story is. So we did that. And then I had her listen back and it was like a switch came on and she realized that she was going super fast because she thought she had to go super fast and that she was trying to uh, emulate someone that she heard on NPR because this was one of her, it was her second piece. Um, So that's something also I really encourage people to do. If you are struggling with a piece and you can't get it right and it doesn't sound right to you, throw away the page go in, take morants, even if you're not in the studio, and just record the story in the morants like you were telling a friend the story, and then play it back and hear how you sound. A lot of times, it's sort of like, again, hearing yourself in the field. You're giving your story the field treatment, and more often than not, what you're gonna do is you're gonna catch yourself when you naturally want to emphasize a word, All of us are storytellers. All of us have friends that we call and we talk to when we want to tell them a story that happened to us. And when we tell that story, there are places where we put emphasis. Uh, There are places where we pause. Uh, There are places where we go super fast. There are places that we slow down. You want to give yourself that opportunity to hear your story through the natural filter of you. So sometimes I just tell people to go in the studio or go and get a Marantz and just tell the story. It's really actually very helpful. The other thing, um, and I learned this when I first started in radio, is that, I don't know if you've had this experience, is you'll hear a story on on a public radio station, everything will be fine, until they get to their sock when they say their name and their name goes by like 90 miles per hour. Like, for some reason, they just want to finish the story really fast and they don't want people to actually uh, hear what their name is. So one of the tips I actually got from someone is, Um, don't write your name at the end of a script because you're gonna read your name and the way you read your name is the way you never introduce yourself uh, in public. (laughs) The other tip that I got, which was really incredibly very helpful is, if your script has a question in it where you're asking a question in your script, don't read the question on a page because the way you read questions and the way you ask questions are fundamentally different. Most of us, when we ask a question, have that natural intonation when we get to the question mark. More often than not, when people are reading a question on a page, they sound like they're reading a question on the page. So that's just another tip. Um, So this is actually something, one of the things that we did to prepare for this uh, session is we went through all of Chrissy's old tracks for The Uncertain Hour, and we found the ones where she really just stumbled and had a horrible time tracking. Uh, and I, I, I'm partly to blame for that uh, because I edited the piece. But uh, this is, I think, our most important thing we want to impart to you. Pay attention as you track. Um, yes,
0: and bring... Like, I feel like I don't have my full brain if, I don't, if I'm not holding a pen mm-hmm. with me. Um, and I think when you're, when you're... In a studio and you're voicing something, bring the pen because there'll be things in the on the fly that as many times as you 've gone over it before you have the microphone in front of you with an editor or just with yourself there'll be things that you miss, and so it's so great to have a pen just to like underline okay I need to I need to emphasize this word um, we often with our uh, with the uncertain hour we'll do three or four big edits like big structural edits and then we'll do some a lot of polishing on top of that so we will have said this and Nancy will have heard me read the the script many times and yet even so things like this will happen and states have a lot of flexibility about how they can use those grants Today, nationwide, about a quarter of the money goes to poor families in the form of cash assistance. About a quarter goes to job training and child care for poor families. And the rest? It's all over the map. Literally. In the last few episodes, we've... I don't have any breath anymore. God, yeah. My lungs are just... In my defense, I was also eight and a half months pregnant at that point. So there were other reasons that I didn't have breath, but, um, but that's a big one. I mean, breathing, you know, it's all the stuff. If you ever took a, 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 if you were ever in chorus, breathing from your diaphragm, like taking deep breaths. But in that moment, I read that sentence like five times before I realized, okay, this is just too long, this sentence. I need I need to rewrite this sentence. And that's when you have your pen and you go in and you say, how do I simplify this? Um, and often, if you're stumbling, it's because of how you've written something.
2: And it's, it's pretty funny to go back and just listen to her tracking because it's an ongoing exercise of, wait, did I say this correctly? Do I need to go back? And you want to give yourself time. Now, I know that a lot of us work on deadlines and we don't have time. But if you have the time, even before you get into the studio, spend an hour with your script And just read through it again, because what you'll find is the things that you stumble on when you edit and you say, can I say that over again, are going to be the things that you stumble on when you get into the studio. And I like to think of a script as a living, breathing document, which you can actually adapt and change. And when you get into the studio and you realize, wait a minute, I'm stumbling over the sentence and you have to figure out how to rewrite the sentence, what do you normally do?
0: In terms of how I rewrite yeah. it, yeah, I mean, I'll I really try to like think about one subject and one verb <laughs> per sentence when you start putting ands and uh, you know, subordinate clauses, you know, like okay, this is getting too complicated. So, just thinking about like one idea per sentence, um, and then saying it because it's what just to, to yeah. emphasize what Nancy's saying, read the script before you go into the studio. But don't just read it in your head, like read it out loud. Even if you are whispering, depending on where you are, say those words out loud because Mm -hmm. it's so different when you actually have to form them with your mouth.
2: The most annoying thing you can do to yourself is to be quiet. You're in radio, you're not in print. Uh, it's or podcast Or podcasts. <laughs> uh, you have an opportunity as you're, you have to remember that what you're saying is actually be connecting to, to what someone is hearing. They are not reading what you have written. So give yourself an opportunity to actually hear yourself say those words. And what you'll find is, these are all things that take time, but eventually you'll get to a point where you'll realize there are certain words that we all stumble upon. I cannot, for the life of me, say the word drower, for some reason. It's been something that has been plaguing me since I was a kid. Wait, what word? Drawer. I, like a... ah, okay. I, I can't say it. Like a... And a couple... I can't say that word. I'm a very educated person. I just cannot say that word. And I remember one of the first stories I ever did was I went into someone's house and they were doing a remodel and I had to use the word drawer and I kept on... The editor was getting really angry at me and I realized, I just can't say that word. And I don't feel bad about it. We all have words that we can't say. So what I'm saying is you'll get to know a dictionary of your own words, right? There'll be things that you just can say um, much, uh, that you can say much more easily than other words. And that doesn't make you a good or a bad person. That just makes you you. Um, Some of the comments that we read um, before we started planning the session uh, were these thoughts that people like, I, I, I'm having a really hard time sounding natural. Uh, people tell me that I'm not sounding professional enough. I'm running out of breath. Um, and in some ways, it, it sort of broke my heart because all of you are incredibly talented. Um, all of you are here because you are natural storytellers. So you have to have faith in yourself that... Sometimes it does take practice, but the best version of you is you. It's not someone else telling you how you should sound. Uh, one of my favorite reporters uh, who used to work at Marketplace, who now works in NPR, her name is Stacy Vanek-Smith. Um, and one of the things that someone told her when we first started out on radio is they pulled her aside and told her that she should start smoking so that her, she could lower her voice. And I remember being really horrified when I heard that story. She did not, by the way. She a wonderful voice, but some of it is, as I said before, is the diversity of female voices. I know that a lot of people have probably heard the complaint about vocal fry. Um, to me, I just say, ignore vocal fry. It's, it's how you sound. If there are people who uh, feel like it doesn't sound the way they think it should sound, screw them. They don't have to hear your stories. So. The most important thing, I think, for us is to make sure that you have the tools and the tips to sound as much as you can like yourself.
0: Yeah. Hear, hear. Hear, hear.
2: So um, we were told that we only had 40 minutes and we were going to bring some people on stage to practice their voicing, but we can't, so we're sorry. Uh, But we just want to say thank you again for letting us come and share um, our thoughts with you. And we wanted to do one last shameless plug.
0: Subscribe to The Uncertain Hour.
2: (laughs) It's a wonderful podcast.
1: That was Chrissy Clark and Nancy Fergali of Marketplace's The Uncertain Hour, speaking at the 2017 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Annenberg Foundation. Event sponsors include Cole Hahn, MAC Cosmetics and ThirdLove.com.